Welcome and thank you for joining us today for the Family Perspectives podcast. This podcast is created by students and faculty in the School of Family Life at Brigham Young University. We believe that relationships are central to living fulfilling lives, and like any skill or expertise, relationship intelligence can and should be improved and developed. In this podcast, we'll turn to the experts for knowledge and tips to help you improve your relationship IQ. I'm Misha. And I'm Lindsay, and we're your hosts on today's episode on Smart Principles for Dating. Today on our podcast, we will be diving into principles for smart dating. We're excited to be meeting with Dr. Brian Willoughby. Dr. Willoughby is a professor and Wheatley Institute fellow who specializes in dating and couple formation. He researches how adults move towards long-term committed relationships and marriage. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Willoughby. Happy to be here again. With Valentine's Day the past month, dating is something that is on a lot of our minds right now. It's also normal to hear students around BYU expressing some frustration with dating. So we're hoping that you can help us today with some good tips for smart dating. Hopefully that can give you something that can be useful. So dating culture has definitely shifted both in what constitutes a date and what the purpose of dating is. Can you tell us a little bit about what the research shows is going on with dating right now? Yeah, there's there's really two big trends in the dating research right now. One perhaps a little bit more troubling than the other, but one of the big trends that we see is the options available to people when it comes to dating are expanding. And, and by options, I mean access to different people through online apps, but then also just the variety of what relationships can look like, what a date can look like, what it doesn't look like. Uh, it used to be that most people had this very clear idea of what dating was supposed to look like, what a date was supposed to look like, how you move from dating someone to a serious relationship to uh, engagement. And now a lot of those norms around dating have evolved, which has given people more options, but also increased, like you said, the anxiety. Because when I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do, and when I feel like there's a lot of options for what a date could look like and what a relationship could look like, it adds a lot of ambiguity to the process, which increases our stress. Um, the other actually big trend that we see, this is the slightly more troubling one, is we're seeing a disengagement for both, particularly teenagers and young adults. The dating rate has been gone. We looked at people that are in committed relationships or the percent of high school seniors that said that they've ever gone on a date. That's dropped pretty dramatically in the last 10 years. And so we think that's tied to some anxieties about dating. Um, tied to uh, people just choosing to not uh, engage in relationships as much as they used to. But those are probably the two biggest shifts that we've seen. And would you say that people should be making dating more of a priority? Like that's an important thing that should be happening right now? I think that it's not necessarily that people don't care about relationships or aren't prioritizing uh, them as much. I think for a lot of young adults, there's simply so many other things to do when we do research and ask people, do they do they care about dating? Do they care about getting married? They still overwhelmingly say yes, and, and most people will still eventually get married. And so I don't think it's as much a case of people not wanting to date or not wanting to have relationships, but uh, again, just the busyness of life has increased. There's there's more options. School is busier than it used to be. Employment has has changed dramatically. Uh, we put more emphasis on people having a bunch of hobbies and exercising and traveling. And so I think there's just so much to do that people want to prioritize a lot of different things. And oftentimes relationships sometimes just get squeezed out, particularly with young adults who are trying to navigate school, trying to navigate early career decisions. It's not that they 
don't care about dating, but it feels like something has to take back seat or, or something has to, even if I have good intentions of getting on a bunch of dates or prioritizing it, uh, for a lot of young adults, it just doesn't happen. And you mentioned dating apps. So I'm curious, do you feel like the prevalence of dating apps is helpful or detrimental? What do you, how do you feel about those? Yeah. So I I think there's some good and some bad, like with most things. I I think on the positive side, uh, dating apps have done two things. One is it's helped give people access to dating partners when they have been really busy. It's something we hear particularly with people in their late twenties that again, are oftentimes in the early stages of their career. They'll oftentimes say, Hey, I I don't have an opportunity to meet a lot of people. People used to meet at church, used to meet, you know, in in local community centers um, and then things that we don't really have as much anymore. Um, and so dating apps give me access to people in maybe times when I wouldn't, you know, maybe I've got time at two in the morning to try to put some time into dating, but obviously I, I can't go meet someone necessarily, but I can turn to an app and still engage in that process. Um, it's also given people access to a much larger range of dating partners than they had before, uh, which can be a positive thing, right? More choice, more opportunity to meet different types of people can be a positive thing. So that can be good. On the negative side, the way a lot of these online dating apps work is is fairly problematic from a relationship formation process. Uh, obviously, they all do things slightly differently, but they all tend to have in common the idea that I scroll through different people and I pick someone. And oftentimes that makes the selection of dating partners very superficial. I'm going to base it a lot on looks or a lot on, on common interests. Uh, there's less opportunity to kind of naturally develop a relationship with someone as a friend first or an acquaintance first, which we know tends to lead to a lot of healthy relationship stuff down the line. Um, it, it creates a little bit of a mentality of kind of what I like to call shop, shopping market dating, uh, or particularly if you think about produce at a shopping market, you want an apple, so you pick up this one, it's a little bruised, put it back. Uh, this one, I don't, it's a little too deep red for me, so I put that one back. Uh, it does feed into a little bit of a perfectionism mindset, which can um, some ways short circuit the dating process because, again, it, it makes it very superficial. Yeah, that's helpful so that we can avoid what's harmful, but also embrace the wonderful things that technology brings to the dating field. So with talking about the purpose of dating what would be some good things to keep in mind when it comes to setting expectations for our dating? Yeah, I think um, one of the things that's really important, I think, with early dating experiences is actually to to not go in with a ton of expectations. I think some people put really high expectations on the first couple of dates. Like, Lots of pressure. I, I've got yeah, I've a lot of pressure. I've got to figure out right away if you're the right person for me, if we're going to get married, if our kids will be cute. Um, a lot of times what you're just trying to figure out in those first couple dates is, is basic compatibility. Do we think about life the same way? Do we have some common interests? How do our personalities match or mismatch? Uh, it's pretty basic stuff. Um, I think a lot of times we put so much pressure that we don't allow relationships to breathe across, you know, even three or four dates and just say, okay, let me take those first couple dates and have, you know, not low expectations, but, uh, not try to figure out everything all at once. I think that's a really important part of the process is to have those expectations. And then I think tied to that is to have clear expectations about what I want out of the dating process. That's one of the things that I think is missing for a lot of people is to have clear goals and expectations of what am I doing? Why am I on this date? You know, people tend to have this kind of big goal of, 
well, I want to get married someday. And so that's my goal of dating. But to get more specific and say, okay, well, that might be your long-term goal or where you want to get eventually. But what do you want in this situation? Are you trying to learn something about yourself? Are you trying to learn something about the other person? Um, are you trying to practice something? You know, so one of the things that rarely happens, but I think should happen more is as you get dating experience, you might say, Hey, I, I'm really bad at talking to people. You know, I, I need to learn how to be more comfortable talking to people and, and having kind of normal chit chat. Cause if I get married, I'm going to have to do that. So my goal in this date is just to practice that, you know, and it's not even about the other person. It's more about a, a skill and relationships that I want to practice. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot that each date is making either personal progress or progress towards your goals of marriage and or committed relationships. So when you are searching for someone to marry, but you know that some of these first dates and some of these second dates aren't going to be the person that you marry, how can we find purpose in those dates or make those good experiences as well? Yeah, I think there's two things. And this is really common. I I think we have a, a dating culture that says, well, you're not supposed to say no to the first date. And so you you oftentimes might find yourself on a first date with someone that you, you know, kind of already know are, are, aren't going to be a compatible partner for you. Um, now, I'll say real quick before I fully answer your question to not necessarily always discount someone is, you know, based on what you know about them, you might think that they're not the right person for you. But I think it's always good to go into a first date with a, an open mind to a certain degree. Um, but let's say that that you know, or, or early on in a date, you know, in five minutes in, you're like, okay, this this isn't going to work. Like you said, how can we make that still meaningful? I think there's two pieces to that. One is to understand that the dates are an opportunity to to learn how to practice just being a good person with someone. Um, you know, we're all going to have interactions with coworkers, with with church members, with neighbors where we're going to be in interactions with people that we don't completely mesh with, that they're not going to be our spouse, but we need to learn how to have good communication, how to be friendly, how to show empathy. Um, These are just kind of basic human skills that we can still practice on a date and say, hey, and and I would even argue, particularly in situations where we might say, I don't really want to be here with this person. Well, what happens down the road when that's a coworker or a neighbor and it's someone I don't want to be with, but I am for whatever reason, that's a great opportunity to learn how to spend a couple hours with someone that you don't necessarily get along with and still be charitable and empathetic and and a good person with that. So that's one thing. Back to what we said before, I think also then identifying what are some things I want to practice or I want to learn on this date is, is maybe you've had experience where you've been on first dates that you really wanted to be on that first date with someone, but you haven't gotten the second date with them. Okay, well, what can I do to practice on this date that will make me, you know, work on things that will make me a more attractive partner to someone. Because a lot of times we think about dating like, well, I'm picking someone. Well, they have to pick you back. And so what are things that I need to work on that make me someone that someone else wants to pick? And you can you can set some of those goals for yourself. Awesome. Really good advice. So if I were to ask you, how can we be a great date? Like, What are things that we can work on during these dates? Um, one really big one that I, I talk to people about a lot of times, because this is just a really good relationship skill, is learning how to validate someone. And that means to send messages to someone you're interacting with that you care about what they're saying and you're invested in what they're saying. That's a great skill to learn while you're on a first or second date, because a lot of times they're talking about stuff you don't care about. right? They're talking about their hobbies, their classes, their families, and it's so easy to zone out. 
And, and that's actually a big thing that happens in marriages sometimes is your spouse will do that. They'll talk about a show or a movie or, or something that happened that you just don't care about. But in a good relationship, you have to learn to validate them and show that you care. So that's a, a very specific skill that you can practice. Say, okay, I'm going to go into the state and I'm going to try to identify when they talk about things I don't care about at all. And I'm going to really try hard to validate them, you know, and do specific things. I'm gonna eye contact, I'm going to nod. I'm going to make sure to ask follow-up questions and show that I'm interested and I want more depth about what they're saying and not just try to change the topic. Um, that's one example of, of something that that is a very specific skill that you can work on in a dating situation that might even be better to work on in a situation where you're not fully invested with the person. Awesome. That's super helpful. I also hear, Dr. Willoughby, that at one point you were a professional dating coach. Is that true? Um, true in the sense that I, I did consult with a group and, and help them develop some materials and meet with people uh, in that capacity. Yes, I, I cannot deny that. Awesome. Um, we're wondering if you could share with us some of the things that you taught your clients or worked with them as they were working to be great dates. So what are some smart things to do on a date? And maybe what are some smart things not to do on a first date or continuing on? Yeah, um, uh, I'll start a little bit general because one of the common things that I, I see with a lot of people that I'm, I'm trying to help be better daters is there are oftentimes people that, as you alluded to earlier, were, were frustrated with the dating process. Uh, a lot of times people that have been dating for years, if not decades, you know, would say something like, I've been on hundreds and hundreds of dates and I'm frustrated. I'm trying my best. I, I don't understand what's happening. Um, and one of the things I would help them really think through a lot, and I think this is a good self-reflection process for anyone to go through, is, uh, again, something we talked about before was being really focused on the other person that you're dating, what they bring, what you like, what you don't like. And what can happen that can be really frustrating is you go on dates and you don't like someone, so you don't follow up. Then you go on dates with people you like, you try to follow up and they don't reciprocate. And if that happens a lot, it can get really frustrating. And oftentimes it's easy to focus on those people and say, well, I don't understand why, won't, why can't I get a second date? Why can't I be in a serious relationship? Part of that is doing that self-reflection to say, well, what are some of the weaknesses that you have? It's hard to do that sometimes to think about what are my weaknesses in the dating process because it makes us feel very vulnerable. And oftentimes people will immediately go to looks, well, I'm not attractive enough. That's very rarely the case when it comes to dating. Uh, attractiveness is a small part of it, but it, it oftentimes isn't a huge part of the process. Usually what's making people not get a second, third, or, or fourth date with someone has a lot more to do with their interaction style. Uh, again, back to validation that we were talking about. They're not validating the person on the date. They're talking about things they care about and not reading subtle cues. Um, and so to, to maybe answer your question more specifically, one of the things that I, I try to teach people, it's a really important dating skill, is to read the body language of the person you're dating. It's not hard to interact with someone and realize if they're bored, if they're frustrated, if they're mad. But oftentimes we're not looking for that as much on a first date. We're just kind of there. We're just kind of going through the motions. We're focus more on our own evaluation process of if I like you or not, and we're not paying that much attention to the other person. Um, and so one of the really specific things I would work on with people is to say, hey, on a first date, I want you to not even worry as much about what you think about the person and completely dedicate yourself to making sure they have a good time. 
because your primary goal on the first date is to get a second date if you want one. And so put your energy into making sure that that person feels validated, that they're having a good time, um, that, that you are invested in them. And more often than that, that makes you really attractive in their eyes. We've all been on those dates where it doesn't feel like the person really cares, right? They feel kind of cold or they feel disinterested. And so telling someone or coaching someone to be very intentional on that date, to put your focus on the other person and make sure they're having a blast, make sure that, that they think that you're really invested in them is, is a really great way to start that process of connection and get to that point where that person wants to be around you, right? We like to be around people that make us feel good about ourselves. And that might feel really superficial, but the first couple dates are really superficial. And so um, really focusing on that is is a really common thing. Um, Beyond that, a lot of the other things I would help people with is is more on the don't side. You know, it's it's these kind of common common sense things you'd think we all know, but we see all the time in dating, like, you know, don't bring up your previous girlfriends or boyfriends. Um, don't talk about things that are that serious. Don't try to, you know, plan your life together. Um, you know, keep things really light and fun on a first date. Um, you know, stick to the basics. The, those are things that sometimes people get tripped on, tripped up on, even though they are pretty basic things. Uh, because again, they're trying to do too much on the first date. Awesome. I like that. Focus on the other person build a friendship, have a good experience together, no matter if it's going to continue on or whether it's just a one-time date. So that's awesome. But you mentioned keeping things light on the date. Sometimes we have the tendency to over-disclose or perhaps your date starts sharing things that are important to them or maybe on a deeper level. How would you navigate that and kind of hold boundaries of what should be disclosed on a date and what shouldn't? I, I think there's kind of two levels to that is, is one is despite everything we've said, you are still evaluating things. Although, like I said, or, or to add to what I said, I think part of that is not trying to do that on the date as much. I think some people are trying to make the decision about the second date while they're on the first date, you got a long time after the date's over to reflect and think about that. Um, but having said that is you still get information on the date. And if you're on a date and you're trying to keep things light and focus on the other person and they go on, you know, some long rant about their, their ex-boyfriend or girlfriend, or start talking about, you know, their family's history of mental health problems, you know, something, something that you wouldn't normally do. Um, I don't think you necessarily have to find some way to like rein it in and be like, okay, this date's going down this spiral. Um, I think you can still validate and act interested, but at the same time, you're noting that, okay, well, the fact that you are breaking these normative boundaries and openly disclosing is telling me something about you. That's probably not positive um, in terms of your ability to kind of read social cues and your, uh, your way of how you construct boundaries with someone who's a stranger. Again, this isn't to say that you immediately dismiss someone that talks about something important, um, but it is data points. Uh, and, And again, on my, on a first date, my job isn't to try to, rein this in or, or try to, you know, awkwardly bring the conversation back to something um, that is more light. Uh, again, I, I'm just going to use that for data and I'm going to validate and let you talk. And if you decide to spend the whole day talking about your ex for an hour and a half, that's great. I'll validate you. I'll make sure you feel like you had this great date where I was listening and I'm a great companion. And then I probably won't want a second date with you. So I think there's that level. 
Um, I, I do think there's a level that that even sometimes on a good first date, you know, there might be uh, something that comes up where you find a connection with someone and, and you do mention, you know, I'll give you an example is maybe you're talking about something random and the topic comes up about divorced and you learn that the person you're on a date with, their parents divorced and your parents divorced. There's a connection. And so you end up do talking about something that maybe you normally wouldn't on a first date, um, but you found a connection around it. And so you share a little bit with each other. I don't think that's a bad thing either. So I don't think you need to necessarily take those things off the table. They wouldn't necessarily be the things you would lead with, the things you would expect to talk about. But I also think you can let conversations go where they naturally would go. And particularly if you find connection around some of these things that might go a little bit deeper on a first date, I think that can be fine. On the road to finding somebody to marry, sometimes the dating process can seem long and we don't know when it will end. <laughs> so do you have any advice for our listeners on how we can have an optimistic perspective of dating, how we can enjoy the dating journey before marriage? Yeah, I think two really important things. One one connects to what we've said before is when you have the mentality that every date is an opportunity to learn and grow as a person, I think that can help. Because if I go into a date thinking that this is either a success if I marry in a failure, if I don't, you're by definition going to have more failure than success. And so that will always be frustrating. So uh, part of it is reframing the situation saying, if, if something develops out of this, great. But if nothing develops, I can still learn as a person and grow as a person for a variety in a variety of ways. Um, I think that can be really helpful. The other really important thing tied to this is, is tied to what's called a uh, probability fallacy. Uh, which basically means is sometimes we misunderstand probability and we think that one event is tied to previous events when it's not true. And, and the, the basic idea of a probability fallacy, the example it's given all the time, is flipping a coin. If you flip a coin, probability of heads is 50-50. But if I flip that coin 100 times and 99 times in a row it's been heads, that 100th time, the probability of heads is still 50-50 even though it might feel like, well, it's been 99 times in a row, it's got to be less likely the next time. We carry that fallacy into dating sometimes, meaning that if I've had five bad dates in a row, sometimes there can be the mentality of, well, that means the sixth date will be bad too. Instead of understanding that that's a new situation with a new person that has no connection necessarily with those previous dates. And so I think that can be helpful. Now, we have to be careful because if you have six bad dates in a row, you should do, as we said, some self-evaluation and say, am I doing something on these dates that's maybe increasing the likelihood that they're bad experiences? But if you do that self-reflection and you really think it's just been a, a stretch of bad luck, it's important to go into that next one with that neutral, if not positive mindset. Because as soon as you go into a date expecting it to fail or expecting it to not be fun or expecting it to, to go poorly it's much more likely to happen because again, people will read your body language. They'll sense that you're stressed or that you're a little bit awkward on the date. And then they're less likely to have a good time on the date too. So I think that's another really important thing to keep in mind. Thank you, Dr. Willoughby for joining us today and sharing your advice on principles for smart dating. Thanks for joining us today. I feel like we learned a lot from Dr. Willoughby. I feel like every single adult should be listening to this podcast. 
Dr. Willoughby is basically the real life hitch. (laughs) I agree. Stay tuned for our upcoming episode on parenting. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to email us at byusflpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast on your listening platform to catch our future episodes. Until next time.